0: Hi gang, Pastor Paul here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast, and I have something to admit today. And what I have to admit is, I'm screwed up. <laughs> is that stunning for you to hear me say that? Yes. Yes, I'm screwed up. And it's hard for some of us to admit sometimes the things that uh, we struggle with in life, but I think it's important. And and so I'm going to do a podcast with just me today, and I'm going to talk in a very personal way about how my religious upbringing has impacted my life as an adult. I do coaching services as as, as my income stream, the way I make a living. And I'm finding that pretty much all of us have faced some things in our childhood that caused trauma that continues to impact us as we grow. And I'm finding that Christianity, and particularly maybe in my segment of the world, evangelical Christianity is causing a lot of these issues that are creating pain that impact people all their lives. And some people fighting out of that pain continue to inflict pain on the rest of the world. So the trauma of evangelicalism and the pain that it's inflicting on people and the world. It's why I do what I do, and it's what I want to talk about today on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. I do want to give you a chance before I get started into the podcast to subscribe to my Pastor Paul Nonpartisan Evangelical Patreon page. Um, One of the things we're doing right now is rebranding the podcast. It's not going to be the Nonpartisan Evangelical podcast here for much longer because I'm moving past my evangelical days. Some people say ex evangelical. That's, I see that a lot on social media, but I'm post evangelical, I say. I've been through the evangelical times and there were valuable things that happened in my life through my evangelical upbringing and religion as an adult. And I think that time is over and I'm moving toward what's new. And, and the big part of that message is a message that's really hard for evangelicals that says God is not mad at you. And it doesn't mean God is not mad at you just if you said the sinner's prayer and are living the appropriate life. I'm saying God is not mad at you if you're human. That doesn't mean God's maybe not disappointed or there's something of the universe that isn't disappointed when we do things that injure other people. But I'm saying God is not mad at you. And I think that's a really important message. And if you believe that message is important, I would love your help. I need to raise about $12,000 for this rebranding campaign and my wife and I are going to put in 6000 of that, and I'm trying to raise another $6,000. And I don't do it through the traditional way of asking for tax-deductible donations. I do it through subscriptions on my Patreon page and a for-profit ministry. So you're not going to get a tax deduction, but I believe generosity has its own greatness and, and help that comes back to us. So I'm just asking you to be generous if you believe in the message of the nonpartisan evangelical. You can see it on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're on uh, the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash nonpartisan evangelical NPE podcast and sign up for as little as $5.99 a month. I would love to get a thousand people signed up at 5 99 a month, or you can do a bigger gift and help us raise this $12,000 for the rebranding campaign. And again, we're putting in six of it. So we've already taken care of half and I would love your help. Go to patreon.com slash NPE podcast And you get a whole bunch of cool stuff, including some people are getting to watch me record this podcast live. Patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast. Now, speaking of the nonpartisan evangelical podcast, let's get to it with me, Pastor Paul, telling you why I'm screwed up and why evangelicalism continues to screw up the world on today's Pastor Paul nonpartisan evangelical podcast from pastor Paul com and the Pastor Paul YouTube channel. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the nonpartisan evangelical where we're challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible, so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right, welcome to the podcast. I am Pastor Paul, Paul Swearingen, the host of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Glad you're with me today, listening in on pastor-paul.com or your favorite podcasting service. Uh, Apple, Spotify, whichever one is out there. So here's a little bit of the process of what we do with the nonpartisan evangelical. Some podcasts I do are called proximity podcast, or at least that's the internal name for it. I want to give you proximity to somebody you may not get to have a conversation with on a regular basis, Uh, my Buddhist friend Joe that came on, or next week's uh, podcast with Rocky Rogio, who is putting together a podcast that's uh, putting together a movie to show how the Bible has been manipulated to make homosexuality a major focus of the church and uh, a focus on it as a sinful Uh, behavior rather than as a part of a natural humanity. Uh, You can talk with somebody like that. Or I had Pastor Adam last week, Pastor Adam Erickson, who is a UCC pastor that believes in universalism. And and just to see that there are people that believe in these things, who still love God, are still Christian, can be acceptable and not scary to the rest of us. Then there are other podcasts I do that um, are what we call WTH podcast, the week that happened and where we're really looking at current events. And today's podcast is neither of those. Today's podcast is a very personal Pastor Paul podcast where I just want to share a little of my story, where I've come from in in deconstruction, and uh, something that can just be helpful in in your journey. And I'm calling this one today, I'm Screwed Up. And uh, the subheading being how evangelicalism tends to screw up people and continues to screw up the world. And so it's going to be a very personal one of just some, some understandings and recognitions that I've had of how my religious upbringing has impacted my life as an adult and how I'm recovering from that and how I think it's important that we as evangelicals look at the truth of this so that we don't miss the opportunity to stop screwing up people going forward. Wouldn't that be a good idea if we can do it? So let me start with just an an anecdote story from from my life. It's when I was in, I, I I think probably eighth grade, And I can remember where I lived as a kid very easily and what age these things happened because we moved. My dad was a pastor and he was sort of a church fixer. And so we would move every two, three. If we lived at one place for four years, that was a really long stint to live in one place. So it's pretty easy for me to know it's in eighth grade because I can remember the house we lived in for that one year of my eighth grade or at least half of my eighth grade year before we moved again. Right there, I'm telling you part of the trauma of my life is that we moved on a regular basis. And so in eighth grade, I came home one day to my household and found the house empty. That's right. Nobody there. The TV was on. Um, My mom was not there. there. There actually may have even been water running in the kitchen. I mean, it was the TV was on. Everything was normal in the house. Lights were on because when we were we were that type of family, man. When you left a room, you turned the light off because we had to save for the energy bill, and and you didn't run water because we did we didn't waste water, and you know. So when you were finished with something, you turned it off. You turned the light off when you left the room. So I came home. The TV was on. All the lights of the house were on, and I think even some water was running in the kitchen. And so, I grew up in a household that believed in rapture, pre-trib rapture theology. In fact, it it was talked about, I would say in, in 99.7% of the services we had, the rapture was a major factor. Jesus was coming at any moment. And if you weren't right, and we were a church that also believed you could backslide, that you could be saved one moment and then sin and not be saved the next moment. And so if you had Sin in your life. If you had said, "Damn it!" If you had looked at the cover of a magazine and in, in the supermarket, you were no longer saved. You were no longer in good graces with God. And if Jesus came at that moment, you would be left behind. And me, as a as an eighth grader, twelve years old, I had to make that determination on a second by second, minute by minute hour by hour, you know, not even a day by day but minute by minute. Were all of my thoughts pure or had some impure thoughts come in? Had I listened to the wrong rock and roll song that God didn't approve of, and if Jesus came in that millisecond of me hearing that uh, that kiss song, Beth, I hear you calling and I liked that song, I was no longer in good graces with God and that would make me left behind if Jesus came at that moment. And everything was coming into place, things that were happening with Israel, they all pointed to Jesus coming any moment. And I had to get in line and good graces with God. And so I remember coming home, TV on, music running, all of this stuff happening. And I had been left behind. I knew it as a 12-year-old. My family was all gone. They were in heaven. They were stunned to find that I wasn't there. And so I sat, uh, I think I went to my bedroom and I sat thinking, what do I do now? They're going to be coming very soon with the mark of the beast, 666. They would mark it on your forehead or your hand. And if you didn't have that mark, You wouldn't be able to eat, or you may even have to make the choice between living or dying with the mark of the beast. But here's the thing I knew, that if I took the mark of the beast so that I could eat or that I could live, I would forever be banished to eternal damnation. There would be no turning back from that decision. If I decided eating was important to me, being able to buy and sell, I would have to take that mark. And if I didn't take the mark, or if I did take the mark so that I would be able to eat, then God, that good God in heaven, would banish me for all of eternity to hellfire and damnation. This was running through my head as a 12-year-old. Now, sometimes we tell stories to each other about the trauma of pre-trib rapture theology, And it can be kind of funny. Oh, mom, I couldn't find mom in the supermarket. I thought the rapture had occurred. Ha ha. But I want to tell you, this was a really traumatic moment. Now, I'm a little bit afraid to say, hey, I'm screwed up because of my evangelical upbringing, because here's what happens from people outside and particularly from evangelical people. They'll say, oh, Paul. You're sharing what you're sharing against the evangelical church because you're wounded, you're hurt, you're falling away, you're angry at God for your pain. You you don't know how to just give your pain over to Holy Spirit so you can be okay and be back in the club and the community. So I'm going to admit today with some trepidation and fear, yes, I am wounded by my evangelical upbringing. And I am wounded by the Christians that I walked together for many years. And for many of you, that's going to give you the opportunity to write off my message of, hey, evangelical church, you need to change. You're just going to say, well, Paul's hurt. And that's what he's doing. I'm admitting to you today, I am hurt by your religion and the religion that I was brought up in. That does not invalidate my message. And I've actually done a great deal of work on the healing of that hurt, but I'm not afraid to admit that that work is ongoing, that the people I work with, including a psychologist, have said, we're constantly like climbing Mount Everest and we get to a certain level and we have to acclimate to that level of life. And then we can start to build again. So- I'm admitting something that many of you may take and use against me and against my message but that's the risk I'm taking because there are some of you listening today that need to hear wow even pastor paul has suffered pain and trauma from his religious upbringing now let me say one thing about this um you know we may think it's funny to talk about the rapture and the trauma that it brought on us as a kid these things sound funny to us but but And we can laugh about some of the things that we've been through as children and in our life. But what's not funny about it is that there really is a thing that I've begun learning about called religious trauma. Just like there's trauma from abuse, from an abusive parent, just like there's trauma from other things that happened to us in our childhood, religious trauma, I'm finding more and more is real. And there are people really hurting from it who need help to change and grow in The in the future and going forward. And much of religious trauma then turns into trauma. Like an abused person often becomes an abuser because that's the world we know and we don't have the tools to deal with the world any other way. So religious trauma inflicted on us becomes trauma that we inflict upon others. And it's the heart of abuse and religious trauma that we, we inflict on the next generation. And that's why we need to be honest and hear about this. And I'm going to talk today about how it's also at the heart of political issues of our nation today, that evangelicalism is very much at the center of the division and conflict and pain that's coming in our culture today. And we need to deal with religious trauma because that's a part of who we are and what we do. If you believe that God is a God of justice, And I do believe God is a God of justice. I do believe there's justice of the universe that comes to us. Some call it karma. Some call it a lot of other things. But if you believe God is a God of justice and the interpretation of that is the evangelical interpretation of if you're good, God will do good things and good things will happen. And if you're bad, God will do bad things and inflict bad things upon you, then that is going to be the center of your view of people and of politics. And so we need to make damn sure we've got that straight. So what is the view of a God of justice? And what is our view of religious trauma? It's a really important thing to point to and to learn about. And that's what I'm talking to us about today. So I want to talk to start about the the trauma of religious, the, uh, the trauma of religious trauma, I guess, which is kind of a circular term. But what is the trauma that comes to us of religion? And I will tell of that through my story of an evangelical upbringing. Now, let me tell you something. And this is always important to say. My parents are good people. If you met them, you would love them. They prayed for me and cared for me, made sure that I had what I needed as a kid, made sure I got through college and was able to make something of myself through life. That is the truth of who my parents are. And and I do coaching as as a career. I think I mentioned that earlier. And my coaching that I do with people all the time is this idea that our parents can be good and, and worthy of grace. And, and they do things because they're working through their own pain. And so we can have grace for them on the things that they've done while at the same time being able to say, you did some shit that screwed me up. <laughs> I know it's hard sometimes when I say cuss words for people, but sometimes it's the thing that really emphasizes the point. Hey, mom and dad, you did some things that screwed me up. And that's true. There was a lot of pain in it. That doesn't mean I hate you or don't have grace for you or don't understand you are working from the best that you knew and had a little bit of a deficit. But that doesn't mean I have to put away the pain of what you did that screwed me up. So my parents were great people, wonderful people who still love me and care about me to this day. And they did some things that caused deep, deep wounds and pain in me. So here's what happens with... Parents that kind of grew up in a harsh religious system have their own set of religious trauma and then start to walk out that with their, their kids. And the first thing is this punishment. Punishment becomes very important when you're in a religious system that believes God gives good things to good people and bad things to bad people, that he punishes us individually for the bad things we do and gives reward for the good things that we do. And if that is our belief system, then parents believe their job is to inflict punishment on kids to reap goodness from their kids. Not understanding at all that the harsh punishment we've meted out doesn't reap uh, the harvest of goodness, but it reaps the harvest of trauma from our children. And so punishment in our household was harsh and swift and unjust. You didn't know how harsh that punishment was gonna be. It was belt punishment and you didn't know how long it was gonna last, how much pain was gonna be inflicted and, and what would be the resolution of that. We were punished with harsh corporal punishment and then left alone in a bedroom to, you know, deal with what we've done. And we didn't know how long it would be or what the resolution was before we would be back in the good graces of my dad, say. Can can you hear the pain of that as a child? I've done something wrong. And so I'm going to face a corporal punishment, a, a, a belt punishment that isn't like, You did this, so here's the punishment, and that punishment is going to pay for the wrongdoing, and you'll be set straight again. No, the punishment would be harsh and loud and angry. Who knows how long it would last. It would last as long as it would last. It would be as many lashes with the belt as was necessary. And when it was over, it wasn't over. There was a continued punishment of neglect and of even ignoring my parents. My dad coming out of his anger and pain and my mom out of her fear. And again, I'm not saying my parents were bad people. I'm saying this is what they were taught was right. And so it may be that my dad would not speak to me for days after the punishment. So not only was... Hey, there was pain that must be inflicted because you did something wrong, but your character is such that I don't even want to acknowledge you as a son for a period of time. I don't want to even acknowledge you as a human being for a period of time. Do you hear the pain of that for a child when your identity is shaped by your parents as a child? to hear like you've done something so wrong that it is deserving of this physical pain and then this mental metaphysical identity pain of, I don't even acknowledge who you are. Your character is so bad. And how a child has nothing to do but internalize that as, oh, I'm bad. Many of you may know Brene Brown, who did famous TED Talks and is, you know, my superhero in, in what I do in coaching. And Brene Brown has a saying that, that guilt is I did something bad. We all, we all bump into each other and guilt is good to say, oh, I need to fix. I need to fix this issue because I've done something bad. Guilt says I've done something bad. Shame says I am bad. And when I'm ashamed and shame tells me I'm I'm bad at the core, then I have to try to cover any mistake I make at all cost because I don't want to be known as being bad. And so I would lie to my parents. I would cover up the mistakes I've made when I broke something at home. I would try to act like I didn't do it. And then the lie would become even more painful. And I couldn't tell the truth because A, I was terrified of the physical pain that would come with that and the mental pain that would come with that, but also just the deep shame of I'm bad. My dad sees me as bad and thus God, the creator of all things and the judge of all goodness would see me as bad. And this trauma went deep into my soul as a person. And to this day, I'm still working through this idea of, is there something bad at my core? And my parents were not only afraid that my character was going to be bad and I was going to be a bad person, but that I was going to hell. And so this punishment was necessary to keep me from going to hell. Do you see how these religious beliefs of Christianity and particularly the staunch pre-trib evangelicalism, I'm trying to keep you from going to hell, son. So I'm going to make life hell now hoping that it'll reap the reward of you being a good person. And if sin becomes saying, darn it, having hair that's too long, wanting to go to a dance with a girl, wanting to see a movie at the movie theater, if that is what sin becomes, if sin becomes, oh, I looked a little too long at this magazine in the magazine rack at the supermarket, if that's what sin is, then shame is easy to come about because there's so many ways you can falter and sin and set yourself up to be left behind for the mark of the beast to come. I uh, went to college at a Christian college because my parents forced me to. I didn't want to go to the school, but they forced me to to try to save my soul And, and for some other reasons too. But ultimately, I think it was like Paul's a bad kid. We need to get him saved. And so let's send him to a Christian college, as so many Christian families do. Let's send them to Christian school to eliminate all the outside world influence on them. And let's send them to a Christian college. And I just want to tell you something, parents, it doesn't freaking work. And often it works in the opposite way. And that's exactly my story. I had to decide at some point that I just hated God because this really unfair, shame based, fear filled world that I lived in could only come from God, and God had to be a terrible, terrible person to inflict this world upon me. Again, now, I say that hearing myself saying, oh, now all my friends are going to say, see, we knew Paul was injured, and that's why he says the things he says about the evangelical church. I say, no, I'm injured, and that's why I'm trying to say to the evangelical church, 'Let's, let's stop injuring people. Let's let's stop inflicting this pain on others because it doesn't happen to be where the Bible is. But I went to this Christian college and I didn't have a lot of money. Um, I, I you know my parents provided what they could, but you know, college was a little bit rough. And so I found a way to get a fake. Uh, lunch stamp so that I could eat on campus, even though I lived off campus. And it was theft of food, and it was wrong. There's no question about that. But I did it because I was hungry, <laughs> and uh, and I would hope that would be okay. Um, but you know, I I'm not saying it wasn't wrong, and I shouldn't have done it. But it was, you know, done out of some need. And so I got caught, and I had to go to the dean's office. Um, yeah, at the school, and the dean was talking about what I had done wrong, and you know what we needed to do to fix it, and I was a pretty angry kid, and uh I didn't like authority very much, and so the dean, in the midst of our conversation and and I already was struggling with what I saw as incredible hypocrisy on the campus of this school and hypocrisy of the kids being holier than thou with one another, which is, which is the culture that's fostered by such a school. And so the dean finally looked at me and he says, you know, Paul, I'm not so worried about you stealing lunch from the school. What I'm really uh, worried about is that your soul is going to hell. And I remember hearing him say that. I'm worried that your soul is going to hell. That's a trauma that had been been heaped upon me my entire life by parents, by church, by sermons. I had to go to hear sermons three to four days a week, by the way. Um, incredible amount of intake of this pre-trib, you're bad, you're dirt, God is going to punish you preaching nonstop. Sunday school classes, my own Bible reading, records that I listened to on my record player as a kid. And when I heard that dean say, I'm worried that your soul is going to hell, something in me really sort of snapped around that. And so I looked at him and I said, tell you what, why don't you go to hell? And that was the end of my tenure at that, at that university, but I've never been more happy to say something to another human being in my life, to finally speak truth to somebody because the religious trauma was so deep that it felt really good to tell this authority figure, why don't you go to hell? And of course, saying hell, saying the word hell itself was a sin. So that was such a massive sin. And and I knew it. And to this day, I still feel shame over it. But man, it was awesome. I'm still proud of that moment to this day. (laughs) Because the shame that had been heaped through religious trauma in my life was so deep, it felt good to fight for myself for once. We're talking religious trauma on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Some of you may be feeling even a little bit triggered by this, and I just want to say right now, God is not mad at you, God is not mad at me. And you have been traumatized by religion, and it's okay. There are solutions, and we'll talk about that more in just a bit. Let me take a break right here to invite you to sign up for my newsletter to hear when I'm doing live broadcast things that you can join me in if you go to pastor-paul.com my podcast, you'll go to my podcast website and right on the homepage, there's the thing, sign up for the Insider's Newsletter. And if you sign up for the Insider's Newsletter, you'll get my schedule every week. You'll get special blogs that you can't read anywhere else of thoughts from my desk and a whole lot more, and just be a part of the Pastor Paul nonpartisan evangelical community, or as I'm starting to call it now, the post-evangelical community with Pastor Paul. So that's pastor-paul.com and sign up for our Insider's newsletter that will keep you updated on everything going on in the Pastor Paul community and the post-evangelical world. That's pastor-paul.com to sign up for the Insider's newsletter. So what I started talking about today is is how evangelical Christian religion inflicts um, trauma through bringing the shame-based feel of religion so i'm going to talk about the solution to that in just a bit but it it also brings this idea of a very narcissistic religion to the world it 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 says religion is extremely individual and this is a western concept that's been brought into religion so it's a very narcissistic existence i am a shame-based person all of of good or bad that happens to me and people around me becomes about me. And if I'm shame-based and the narcissistic then everything becomes about maintaining my world. So God will be okay with me. And that may be to the exclusion of you. So part of what it does is means I start to defend what I believe and my tribe because we have to be right and you have to be wrong. Because if I'm not completely right and some of you is right, then all of a sudden that shame kicks in. And it's not like, ooh, I believe something wrong. It is, I am wrong. I didn't believe something bad that needs to be changed and altered, but it's rather I am bad and I can't be bad. So I have to be right. And my tribe has to be right. And you and your tribe have to be wrong. It's very narcissistic. And then when you connect that with evangelicalism, that I have to evangelize you into my belief system. But then there's these stories in the Bible that say, If you go to somebody and they reject the message, shake the dust off of your clothes and clap your heels at them and get the heck out of there. That gives me the ability to write you off as a human being. You know, those poor people over there, they're poor because God's favor isn't on them because they've done bad things and they're bad people the the interesting thing about that re- and we don't enunciate that out loud as evangelicals but deep down we believe it i hear it from people in ways like this of like well if those people didn't have so many children out of wedlock they wouldn't have the problems that they have if those people would just comply with police officers they wouldn't have the problems they have if those people this is the underlying message weren't sinners they wouldn't have the problems they have. And and so I don't have to fix those problems for them. I don't have to be a part of fighting to change systemic racism, systemic economic inequality, all of these things in my community, because salvation and religion are individualistic between me and God. And so if those people are having a problem, it's because they've done something that has made them out of alignment with God. And because my alignment is good and I fought to defend my alignment and I'm right and they're wrong, I can shake the dust off of my clothes and my hands, shake my sandal at them, throw a curse on them, and I am no longer responsible for them. And now I just hope that Jesus comes any moment, takes me out of here and brings his revenge on those people. You see how it becomes very self-centered and narcissistic? And then because it's shame-based, I have to defend my rightness for a whole lot of reasons because I don't want to go into shame because my side needs to be right and I need Jesus to come and take me out of here and leave those people behind. This is the trauma we're inflicting on the world. And then probably you can see the tie then into politics of particularly right-wing politics of like well it's really all about my me and my family and if i'm taking care of my family and i'm providing for my family and those people can't provide for theirs that's a them issue not a me issue that's not my responsibility it becomes very narcissistic and self-centered our salvation and our salvation process totally missing what Pastor Adam Erickson was talking to us about in my podcast last week, that God actually judges corporate nations and their kings. That judgment of the Bible is a corporate judgment. Did you, as a corporate people, care about the poor, the foreigner, the outcast, the widow, the marginalized, those that are put outside, the people that aren't of your race and religion? Did you love your enemies as yourself or did you declare them enemies of God and shake the dust off your clothing for them we miss this corporate message of the bible a lot Jeremiah 29 7 says pray for the welfare of your family for in its welfare you'll find your welfare guys I do believe there's going to be a time of a, of, of a second coming of Jesus, of a reconciling of, of this eternalness of our spirit with this finiteness in this humanness. But it's not Jesus coming again to fight war against people, but it's a reconciliation of heaven and earth in, in, in uh, this, this reconnection of the eternal with the finite. In other words, Jesus isn't coming back for a war. He's coming back for a wedding with the bride of Christ, right? And then God takes that further in the book of Micah and in the book of Acts when God says, In those days, I will put my spirit on all flesh. On all people. See, we believe Adam ate an apple, and so all of us are bad, and we totally miss that Romans 5 says, yes, and then the reconciliation of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ in our tradition then wipes out Adam's act. See, evangelicalism at its heart is saying Adam's act was so powerful that everybody is under the curse of Adam's act without any Desire or choice from ourselves at all. We are dirt and dust and worthless because of Adam. But Romans says that Jesus act was greater and therefore Adam's act was wiped out. But we don't believe that. We don't, we don't believe the Bible. No, no, God's actually really angry at us as humanity because of Adam. And Jesus act wasn't enough to wipe that out. What if we change that idea to believe, let's start with this idea that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and God has declared us good and work from there. And because of that, then goodness should flow out of me. Rather than this really bad teaching of your dirt, God is mad at you and only Jesus standing there waving God off can keep bad things from happening to you. You see how this individualistic religion causes trauma for me and then inflicts it on others. Like I, I've literally had belief in my life of like my daughter breaking her femur when she was six years old. It's like, what did I do? What, what sin did I do to have my daughter go through this incredible trauma? It, it, and that's what I was taught is like bad things will happen to my household. If God is displeased with me. And I remember one sitting. For uh, leading a small group that I was leading in a church that inflicted so much trauma on my wife and I. Uh, and so I was getting ready to lead this small group and and so, you know, I have to confess all my sins, so God won't be mad at me while I'm leading this group, and so I'm confessing my sin. And I just had a sense in my spirit. like in my tradition, we would say, I heard God say, and some of you may say, "Oh, how do you know you heard God? I just heard something in my spirit that that just didn't come from me. So was it God talking to me? Was it something from some other part of my brain? I I don't care. I'm not going to squabble over that, but I'm going to say, I know I heard something supernatural and otherworldly in my spirit. (laughs) And it was this voice that was just like, oh, here you are confessing again. And I'm like, okay, am I, you know, is my sin so bad that my confession doesn't help? Or what is the issue? And then what I heard from God, what I heard from heaven, was I wish you knew how little I focus on your sin. How sin is taken care of and not an important factor, but the relationship between God and me, the relationship between heaven and humanity is what matters. Not my behavior, because if I'm focused on my behavior and my behavior with my father was if I'm good, my relationship with my father is good. And if I'm not good, my relationship with my father is interrupted in painful corporate punishment and ostracization from relationship. And so that's how I saw God. And God is saying, no, wrong. Heaven's pursuit is always to have relationship with you no matter what you do. And our religious trauma of hell and punishment and God's justice keeps us from being able to understand like I'm connected to heaven and I'm good. And because of that, generosity and goodness can flow from me to other people. I'm screwed up. I'm screwed up because of my religious trauma. I learned that my side was good and the other side was bad. No nuance was allowed to be in there because of the shame and hatred in me. And I had to learn to defend my side and hate your side. If you're Muslim, you have to be bad. Because if you're not bad and theologically wrong, then I'm bad. And I don't want to be bad. So I have to make it us versus them. I have to be a patriot and you not a patriot. If you disagree, we don't just have nuanced disagreements. I have to be good and you have to be bad. You see how this evangelicalism now is flowing into our politics. I have to be Republican because of abortion and you have to be bad. You have to be a socialist Marxist if you don't agree and an evil person that likes killing babies because I have a shame-based, fear-filled religion that yes, it's done some good things for me and it's made some goodness come out of me, but it's inflicted a a narcissistic, fear-based, shame-based, trauma-based view of the world around me, which means I have to be right and my tribe has to be right and you have to be wrong and your tribe has to be wrong. And if you don't come into agreement with my theological and ideological beliefs, I get to shake off the dust from my clothing and just declare you not my problem. We need to heal that trauma. When we understand that the Bible says that God wants to pour out his goodness, his spirit on all flesh, on all people. When we see Jesus in the Bible, sitting with the the Samaritan woman at the well, the person that didn't share his race or his religious beliefs or his ideological beliefs, she was everything that they hated in the culture. And she was a woman which was worthless and meaningless in the culture. And he said, I'm going to sit with you because you're worthwhile and tell you that it's not about you joining my religion or me endorsing your religion, but about us together having relationship and connecting with relationship with heaven. We can start to bridge some boundaries. We can start to bridge some trauma. I can start to tell you, you're not bad. I don't care what your mom, dad, your Sunday school teacher, your pastor told you. They were wrong. You are good and the Bible declares it so. And people who disagree with you, they don't have to be bad. It's okay that we disagree. It's okay that we see different nuances of a situation. It's okay. Then things can start to heal in our culture. Many of you have suffered this trauma. And I would love to hear. You can do it in the comments on wherever you're hearing this. If you're on YouTube, put it in the comments on YouTube. Send me an email. I would love to hear what that trauma looks like for you today. Because I want to start thinking of ways of how do we heal that trauma. And I'm so sorry if this podcast maybe triggered you a little bit. I want to tell you that what you've been told, the story you were given is not true In fact, it's completely false. That religious belief system may have had a time and a season, but today it's completely wrong and rotten at its core. And if you and I work hard together to get healed up from that trauma and start to understand our goodness and our value, we can pour goodness and value out for others, even those that don't look by our religious tradition to deserve God's favor. That's my story for today's podcast, and I'm sticking to it. Send me a comment on any of my social media platforms, send me an email. If you've suffered from a religious trauma, let's start to think about how we can work this through together. You don't have to declare your parents bad or evil or your Sunday school teacher or your pastor or your church, but you can be honest to say they inflicted trauma upon me. That doesn't make me wrong or bad or speaking out of wound. In fact. It's the evangelical church that's speaking out of trauma and wound because they have to be right. If any part of their belief system isn't right, they are bad and God will be angry at them and he will inflict punishment upon them. Maybe even the punishment of eternal fire and damnation and separation from love. It's a terrible theology and traumatic to kids. You're not going to be left behind. In fact, you're amazing. God is not mad at you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Post Evangelical Podcast with Pastor Paul at pastor-paul.com.